Okay, so we're going to start recording. Hello, everyone, and this is Gabi Abdelgadir. Welcome to the Grace, Peace, uh, and Balance radio show. And I have a very special guest for you today, Mr. Dwight R. Heck. Dwight is the founder of Give a Heck Financial. He founded that company after he struggled for so many years in, in a job that was only paid paycheck to paycheck. We will talk a lot about his experiences. He is a single dad who raised five kids on his own and um, lived a very hard and life and he struggled a lot. And we, I want to learn, we all want to learn how he came out of that struggle. So welcome, Dwight. Hi, Gabby. How are you? I am doing fantastic. So happy to have you here today. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, so talk to us. So you raised five kids on your own and you had a job. Tell me about that. Um, yeah, well, it started prior to that, obviously. I was um, married, okay, right? Yeah, obviously. Got, yeah. Got, got divorced and initially had joint custody of my kids with my ex and things fell apart where the kids did not want to be raised by her anymore and you know in that joint situation they asked if they could move in with me full time and that happened back in 2008 so i became 100 percent single parent of these kids four daughters and a son and you know before that i would be able to work my career because they'd be with their mom a certain amount of time. So I knew which days I could work, mm -hmm. which hours I didn't have to chase them around um, to extracurricular activities yeah. and uh, to school or whatever the case may be. And I'd be able to, I was, you know, I had inked out, I guess, or irked out or what are you going to say, cut out myself a good livelihood in order to support my kids and myself. Yeah. But all of a sudden when I became a full-time dad, now I was 100% responsible for their, all their extracurricular activities and what they did um, from, I had to get them to school, had, you know, making them supper seven days a week, yeah. getting them to their extracurricular activities. Well, that took a hit on my career because my career in financial education and planning is normally done, you know, some of it's done during the day, but a good majority of the people connection is done in the evenings because I did it at people's homes or okay. I did it in their businesses. So all of a sudden I went from being able to work, let's say on, on an average month, 15 yeah. days of the month. Yeah. I was cut back now to two, three days in a whole month. So it caused financial strife within my um, financial situation. And it actually revealed to myself that I was in some ways a hypocrite. It was hypocritical of what I was teaching and, and telling others. I had stopped living it myself. I wasn't necessarily living the rules of the money game and budgeting that I was teaching others. And it became a cold, hard reality that I needed to, you know, start to implement that myself, especially yeah. when my income went from um, you know, a six figure income down to some years, half of that, because I could mm -hmm. not work as much. Mm -hmm. So that's basically how I got into a situation of being a single parent, trying yeah. to still run my business and keep it profitable. Yeah. And, but you were an employee, you, you were, you were an IT consultant at some yes, point? Yes, 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 I was. Um, I left that industry in, 
Uh, it would have been just prior to spring of 2002. Oh, in okay. Two, in 2001, yeah, I had some major health yeah. issues, and I left that industry um, just be, just shortly after September 11th. I had some severe health issues, and and in 2002, his approach to you know you should leave that industry. It's it's creating serious issues for your health. My neurologist and doctor didn't want me doing it anymore because with my tenacious personality, I'm the type of person that can't give up. So when I was in that industry as a computer IT consultant, I was working two, 250 hours a month sometimes oh, wow. when I didn't have my kids. And it was basically, I wasn't getting sleep. I'd go days without sleep. I was the type of person that, you know, I wanted to, so I'd please one person and a few others weren't happy because I couldn't, I was only one person with a team of people sometimes, but I couldn't get done as much as everybody had expectations. I took it personally, it affected my health. So I um, was approached in 2002 um, took the opportunity to completely pivot from one industry into finance, which, you know, I couldn't even spell uh, finance at the time. <laughs> and, you know, it was a cold hard reality that I was living my life on a hamster wheel, going to work, go home, get paid. And I didn't, you know, I wasn't living life on purpose. It was by accident. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know what, we'll teach you how to live that life on purpose. And we'll teach you how to teach others to do that. Are you interested? And I jumped in with both feet, but with my tenacious personality, the person that was training me about six weeks after I started in this industry, after I got um, licensed uh, to do financial services and insurance, I uh, basically told, that, told my trainer I wasn't interested in his help anymore because I didn't see that it was focused on family unity and value and education. It was more about what a lot of the traditional financial services is in the world, not just Canada and the US, but it's about selling a product. It's not about the human condition, about building relationships and helping educate people how to li stop living in quiet desperation. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So you still run your own company, at least you're your own boss. Now you choose your own hours. Oh, yeah. I've been choosing my own hours and working at the beat of my own drum since uh, literally fall of 2002. Um, I've had circumstances within the last 18 years where, you know, obviously people want to control what it is that you do. And I just pivoted away from that to a point where I completely control my 168 hour calendar nobody controls me even even people will say well you know when you own a business and you're an entrepreneur your clients own you well in a sense they do you know when i give them my time they're my boss but my schedule i choose to control so what hours yeah. i chose i choose to share with others and say that i'm available that's still within my control right yeah. so yeah it's uh I basically control my own destiny and that's the best life to live. I know. I'm so jealous right now because I'm not at that point right now. But uh, one thing you don't know and nobody uh, knows about me, I'm also a licensed life insurance agent. I'm also a mutual fund licensed. Oh, okay. With, with Primerica. You've heard of that company before. Oh, of course. And yeah. I'm a district yeah. leader with Primerica. Well, that's fantastic. But only for Ontario, yeah, just for Ontario, right? Like the province of Ontario. 
Uh, I don't go further, but it's something that I do on the side. It's also started like you. I just wanted to learn more because I make good money. It goes out as fast as it comes, Dwight. Seriously. Like, and I I only have one child, but it goes out as fast as it comes in. And then I said, okay, something is not right here. I'm not doing something right. Like, so... That's how I got into it. And I had a friend, she goes to me, welcome, join. And I did the presentation and then I went into it and I have like a few clients and, you know, it's a life insurance and RESPs and RRSPs and all that stuff. So, yeah, so it is good. Even if you don't do it as a business, it's good to learn. So, yeah, I admire that and I'm jealous actually right now. Okay, so let's jump into another subject. How did you survive, besides the financial, how did you survive raising five kids without any support whatsoever? Did you have like your parents or your siblings helping you? Of course, my extended family tried supporting as best they could, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, both my sisters, I have two older sisters, they both have children. They had spouses, they still do, and you know, they were living their own hamster wheel of life. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, of course they, I could call them and ask for help for certain things. Um, my parents live an hour away from here in, in a small community called Camrose where I was born and raised. They're still there. They're, so they're, they're an hour away. They'd try to help as best they could too. But really when it came down to it, I had to, you know, harshly suck it up and just realize that I had to do whatever it, took to give my kids the life that I felt that they deserved and the best way that I knew how was just to you know kind compassionate caring I had good days I had bad days you know we didn't always see eye to eye but I you know I was the parent this is the way it needed to be we could have conversation about certain things and you know I just did my best obviously because I had four daughters I have four daughters, pardon me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, circumstances of certain feminine things that come up, you know, I'd, I'd communicate with family or friends, but I got to a point where I found that just being genuine and watching my tonality and body language, I could have open conversations with my children from, you know, young youth into teenagers into adults and we still have great great communication even you know my four daughters and my son and we talk about those feminine challenges that you know they you know hey dad they call me up you're at the store I you know I need this feminine product okay well I'm at the aisle here's this 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 and that what do you want or we'd be out shopping and I'd say hey you know we're here let's go down this aisle so you can get what you need okay dad it it wasn't i did i think uncomfortable conversation between parents and children a lot of times in my experience is created around you know the typical family where there's a husband and a wife and the wife possibly or the kids or a family member will make it uncomfortable and you know that's you know oh don't talk about that you're around your dad or don't talk around that around your grandpa or your uncle or brother or whatever because they make it an uncomfortable thing but when in reality it's a fact of life and why yeah. is it uncomfortable it's because people make things uncomfortable yeah, so true. i'd have open conversations and i remember when 
more than a couple daughters coming to me saying, uh, this is what's going on. Oh, okay. Well, you, you have your, you know, you, we've talked about this, you've heard about it. This is what, it, you know, young, young ladies experience when you hit puberty and this is what's going on. Let's deal with it. And, you know, did it work a hundred percent of the time where there was there uncomfortable moments? Absolutely. There was, but yeah. it, it's how I dealt with it. Yeah. It's, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. Right. It was yeah. again, I wasn't perfect. I, I'm a work in project all the way up to them becoming adults and even adults having conversations with any of my five kids. Sometimes I put my foot in my mouth. I got to take a glass of water and wash it down. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, it was a struggle raising them. I did it with a little bit of help, but I'd say 95% of it was me. Um, Yeah. I just, I didn't want to lean on other people and it's not because I'm afraid to ask for help. I just realized that other people were in circumstances in their own life and it wasn't really my right to add more burden or have them worry about me because I, uh, you know, really at the end of the day, worry is such a waste of energy and I've struggled, I've struggled and fought with that my whole life and teach about to other people how to get rid of worry. And I didn't want to add more worry to them because I I was already in a state of quiet desperation and worry. Mm -hmm. How am I going to pay the bills? Right? I can't work as much. My expenses Mm -hmm. are still the same. All of a sudden now my expenses are really increased. My utilities, food, et cetera, et cetera. So I just, you know, took one step forward, did my best some days better than others. Yeah, because the thing is, like, when we talk about single parenting, I think people assume it's only, like, mom. It's only, like, females are single parents, but that's not a, the case. Like, because I, I think I mentioned yesterday on the live that at one of the conferences for my son that I attended, a gentleman came in with one of his daughters. Um, actually, he brought three of them. One of them was into the acting, so... And he was telling me that he raised them. One of them, the younger one, was two years old when the wife left them. Uh, Two, I think, uh, three and a half, and six they were. He raised them on his own. They were like preteens when I met them. He said he tried to get into a relationship once, didn't work out. He told her, just get out of my face if you cannot deal with my children. And he never, he said he could never get into a relationship up until his kids had grown. And uh, he raised three amazing girls all by himself. So it's not only females uh, that are single parents. There are guys who are raising amazing kids just like you, Dwight. So yeah, kudos to you, mister. Thank you. Appreciate that. But <laughs> your comment about, yeah, I'm about that gentleman in relationships and making a decision. My decision, I decided to not, you know, I went on the odd date, but, you know, I didn't work out. I decided it, this just wasn't in the cards because too many people wanted to tell me that I needed to have somebody in my life to raise my kids effectively, which Same really drove, which really drove me crazy yeah. Yeah. because the stereotype and the stigma that others place on us is an illusion. It really is an illusion because it, it, it can be pierced and changed simply by, you know, associations and what we do. So I never, I never got into a relationship. I hadn't been in a relationship for 15 years. Yeah. By intention, intentionally I sacrificed and then, you know, that part of me 
and which a parent should do. When you have children, you have to stop living the lifestyle that you think you deserve when you were young, you know, when you were not, didn't have kids. And yeah. for the couples that are listening to this, you know, I've done lives on this. I just did one. You know, your responsibility is to your children to be yeah. present, to enjoy every moment of the way. There's still time left in your life to find that special someone yeah. once your kids are growing up, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I'm not in a current relationship. I've been in a couple in the last two, three years. And realizing, you know what? The biggest thing I realized is that you can feel whole. You can feel appreciated. You can feel so many different things in life using gratitude. And you don't need somebody else to, make you, you know, feel good. to yeah. make you feel fulfilled. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I want to be alone the rest of my life. It just right. means that I refuse to ever settle for anything less than the greatness that I've worked for for myself and my family There's i want so that same years, yeah. level of greatness yeah. meaning i want somebody to be living a life that m doesn't mirror mine but it complements mine and i complement theirs yes absolutely absolutely i agree totally so something we need to talk about is also about discrimination you know my book on discrimination did you, get, did you grab a copy, by the way? No. Okay, you need to uh, grab honest, a copy. Honestly, it's, it's not that I'm not interested. I have, uh, oh my goodness, amount of amount of uh, business people I know that are pumping out books. But yes, I will grab a copy. Yeah. Most of the books, I'd say 90% of the books that I've ingested in the last 20 years are all audio, cassette oh, tapes, audio. CDs. Okay. And then I, use, I use Audible. Anymore. Yeah. Oh, you use Audible. Yeah, I, I like I like Kindle as well. Uh, yeah, I don't even have time to read because uh, the amount of stuff that I read in a day, most people couldn't handle because of my finance business. So I do a lot of reading. So for me to sit down and actually enjoy grabbing a book, my mind wanders. It can't focus on it because I do too much. It's not a pleasure thing for me. So oh I use Audible and I, yeah, I ingest you books listen. through Audible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's that's the biggest problem. I had somebody just reach out to me here recently that wanted, you know, and I said to him, I said, you know, I have seven books right now that are on my list in Audible. I have people that send me books, physical books, give me physical books. And, and I said, I'm just being honest with you. They don't get open. It's not that I'm not interested in the content. It's that I've reached a point in time in my life that I need to ingest just like podcasts you know, podcasts, I, I couldn't read a podcast. I enjoy listening to it. And it's the yeah. same thing with books. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, it's, I highly suggest you, if you haven't done it, do Audible. Audible, right? yeah. Okay. So no, but uh, for me, it is, you said seven. I have, I think, over a dozen that I haven't touched yet. I haven't had the time to touch, but I support my community when whenever they launch oh, a book. I, I do he, purchase because they yeah. support one another, right? So I didn't I even did. know. Honestly, I, did, I, I to be honest with you, I didn't realize you had a book. So I have no problems purchasing oh, I, people's books. I just, <laughs> yeah, honestly, no, no, I I'd did. be lying if I said I'd, I'd, I'd be rushing to read it because I have some really close friends of mine that have sent me their books in the last and two years. You and, they, and they, and, well, they, they refuse to do them in audio. They don't want to hire somebody. They don't want to read because it's not that hard right yeah. one of my friends tony did his own uh tony watley who's part of the speakers authors and coaches too tony did his three, his uh side hustle millionaire book he did it as an audio himself on audible it was very simple you, you, you self-publish it up to it and 
Yeah. Right. It was really good. And otherwise I wouldn't have read his, I didn't, I listened to his book. I didn't okay. read his book. I don't yeah. even own his book. I own his audio book. Audio book. Okay. So for me, audios, I have a problem depending on the reader. If the reader is very soft spoken, it makes me fall asleep. Like I like a voice mm -hmm. that has a little bit of power when it comes to audiobooks. Um, like, I don't know, like Think and Grow um, Rich. Have you seen, have you listened to Think and Grow Rich in audio? Yeah, I've CD? read it. I read it years ago. Yeah, not the book, but the audio part. Yeah, the, I have it yeah, on Audible, CD. actually. So that, the voice, that guy has such a powerful voice, you will not yeah. get bored. Like that is one. Another thing is for me... Um, to give also my ears a break because I'm like mm -hmm. on a lot of Zoom meetings and a lot of meetings, things like that. I like to be quiet and hold an actual book, whether it's on Kindle or whether, whether it's, um, it's a, a soft, like maybe just about 45 minutes, like, yeah. you know, one hour. I like to read. It keeps me that it's my, I call it my sanity time. Um, where I don't want to be disturbed. I don't want anybody to call, well, my son, nobody else would call me here. Like, and I don't, that is my sanity time. When I go to work, when I used to go to work, I take the train and the train was my sanity place because that is the only place that I had going from home to work and, and vice versa, where I have nobody calling my name. At work, it's gab, 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 gab. At home, it's mom, mom. Yeah. Or it's the phone, right? So I yeah. call it my, so the train was my sanity theme. So I like to read like uh, this unless, and then I hope all the upcoming authors make the fonts a little larger because those tiny fonts are like killing my, that is when I would prefer Kindle or Audible. Oh yeah. Because yeah, a lot, the fonts are like so tiny. Yeah. Yeah. So well, and the, prob the problem is, is with books and authoring books because my book comes out next month. Mm -hmm. if things work out properly the problem is is people make their books too big like your book looks relatively uh it looks like an easy read so yeah. obviously honestly if it's available on if i can order it through amazon or order is, directly yeah, through you is. yeah yeah whatever, whichever you prefer I it, do, it, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't look doesn't look like it's too many pages which is no, good because no, i so, would not buy anything that is 300 400 pages i don't have the energy for it as soon as i look at it i get exhausted yeah, well, so, they, no, I don't. Uh, no. Most publishers will say that good books are anywhere from twenty to thirty thousand words, right? That mm -hmm. which is can be a hundred and ten, hundred and twenty pages, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's it. That's mine is a hundred and twenty something. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. Anyway, let's get to the discrimination. Okay. That's how we okay. we got the we okay. got about the book. So discrimination is something that I have seen over and over and over in my lifetime, which actually finally I managed to interview people, interview kids in particular grade six and above in this book. I've interviewed kids who were discriminated against, whether it's race, whether it's skin color, whether it's culture, whether it's social status or disability. All that is racism for me. All that is discrimination for me. It's not only about black and white because I have been discriminated by black people because they don't believe that I'm 100% black. I have been called names. Trust me, Dwight. So, um, so it's not only there is black versus black, there is white versus black. The Jew get discriminated. The Muslims get discriminated against. The blacks get discriminated against. And uh, that is what it is. So, and then we have the social status. So this is where you come in. Have you been 
discriminated against as a single parent in schools and activities and things like that? Did anybody ever say anything to you that made you oh, feel? Oh, all the time. Really? All the time. All the time. Yeah, it happened because I, with the five kids, they were all in different, you know, they weren't all necessarily in the same schools. Mm -hmm. And when I first got, you know, separated, even before divorce, all of a sudden people that would communicate with, with me would be, they'd walk across the road if they see me standing there, they, or they'd go stand with other groups of people. It reminded me a lot of how high school is where they have cliques and, you know, you got the jocks, you got the nerds, you got the brainiacs, you got all the people and they all go in their little cliques. And, and, you know, as adults, that still exists that people don't realize it. So I was like, all of a sudden I had leprosy or the plague and, you know, whispering conversations, you know, all of a sudden people, you go walk by them to go into the school or you're in the school walking down the hall and, you know, the, the, the side glances and the little innuendos under people saying things underneath their breath or out, some, some would have, have the moxie to say things right to my face about, you know, oh, it must be so tough raising, you know, having those kids and dealing with this and, you know, or the people that were friends with at that time, and, and then she became my ex when we still had joint custody together, the people that she turned against me with lies and stories. And then I'll, so I got treated differently. And I didn't really have to worry too much about the administration. I was the one that was present when the kids we were still together, I was the one that was present after the fact. So as the kids continued to grow up in a divorced family situation, the administration knew I was the person that was showing up to their boo-boos that they got <laughs> injured or they were sick or they forgot, didn't have a lunch, especially when the times that their mom had them, there was lots of times that I have to run lunches to school for them because mom didn't send a lunch or forgotten or whatever excuse that she had because there was no valid reason to send your children to school without a lunch unless you're dirt poor. But she, you know, she, she wasn't, she had support from me. So, you know, people would discriminate against me even in their extracurricular activities. Um, birthday parties were the worst, um, especially when I got full custody of them. Uh, I can still remember back in 2007, my daughter was going to have her, I believe it was her 12th birthday. Yeah, it would have been her 12th birthday. And we invited a bunch of kids and we got RSVPs from a lot of them saying they were coming. One showed up. What? Why? One I'm a guy. I heard about it after the fact from other parents that I had you know, gotten to be friends with that were also discriminated because of either sexual uh, you know, choice you know they weren't necessarily uh you know of the societies saying that men didn't have to be with women so there was couples like that that you know they befriended me and we became friends and they they'd stick up for me they'd tell me different things and the whispers and gossips and i even have administration people telling me stuff and it just got to the point where you know people have a preconceived notion of what the family should be air quotes to the listeners. So what the definition of a family should be. And then, you know, they segregate and they have biases against me and 
what I did, even taking my kids to extracurricular activities, like my, my daughters at one time to dance. And then as one stuck with dance, we get into the, you know, she was all the way into high school, competitive dance. I go to different competitions with her. I'd be the only dude there. I'd be the guy that would be trying to do their hair or, you know, her oh, hair at that time. Yeah, I'd be yeah. the guy, you know, I didn't, I tried my best and eventually I'd have to ask parents to do it. And I got to a point where I had parents, even that were in marriage, married situations that I gained their trust, but it took time. I shouldn't have had yeah, to do that, so. but the box of life for me was male. Yeah. Check that box. Right. Yeah. So I got treated because people think that, you know, because I'm a man, because I have different genitals, they, uh, <laughs> um, you know, they really, they really felt that they women are a better you. parent. Yeah, or they couldn't trust me, or oh my gosh, what's he what's he doing to those children, or why isn't he doing this? When in reality, to the listeners, this is going to sound harsh. I was a better parent than probably ninety percent of the kids parents that walked in and out of that school, because just because you're a couple doesn't mean you're good parents. Yeah, bottom line doesn't mean that couples aren't good parents. Doesn't mean you're good parents so because you're a couple. I've seen especially in my eighteen years in this industry. There's a lot of shit parents out there that ought to hand in their parent card and give up, right? They just, yeah. Yeah, the kids are way better off in a single parent situation because um, that single parent is forced to be the end all and be all for that family. And they always have to be present. It forces yeah. them to be a parent instead of yeah. shying away from it and dumping it all on, on their partner. On their partner. Yeah, I agree. But I just felt like for your daughter, when one, only one on her birthday showed up, how did she feel? It was horrible. She cried. I know. I know. Oh. And, and it scarred her for life. Even as an adult now, it still bothers her that she, uh, you know, some of those circumstances. Has she accepted it? Yeah. It doesn't mean you'll ever forget. So she, you know, she had one of her friends from class. She had her cousin showed up, one of her favorite cousins, right? But out of the school people that were invited, one showed up. Yeah. Did and it get better over the years though? No, we just got to, she got to a point where she just didn't want to even try. Invite. Yeah. Okay. She didn't I even want it. to try. My other daughter, uh, one of my other daughters, uh, the youngest of the, of the four girls, that same year we had a party for her. And the only reason people showed up to hers is that I decided to do it outside of my home. And I did okay. it at the local swimming pool, had a, a party room you could rent so I paid for everybody to go swimming and then I rented a party room, got pizza brought in and, you know, and which is, which is absolutely ridiculous because those parents for the house party I was going to hold were invited to stay. They were invited, you know, it wasn't nothing in the invite say, drop your kids off, come back and get them. It was like, Hey, come on over. You know, there's gonna be lots of food. Um, it's going to be a good time celebrating Morgan's birthday and a lot of those parents that did their kids didn't show up. I knew them parents. I knew them. And that was even before that was even before I got complete custody of them. They were still going back and forth. So people were judging me even before I became a full-time parent of them. I got segregated and ostracized because I was a male, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. The human condition listeners were all human. 
Yeah. Shouldn't matter if you're male or female. Yeah. It shouldn't matter what you identify your, your gender as. It maybe you yeah. don't even identify identify yourself as male, female. You're still a human creature. You're still a human being. Yeah. And everybody deserves respect until such time yeah. that they do something that takes away that respect you have for them. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. We could talk for hours, but we are almost on top of the hour. So what advice would you give? Let's start with single parents. What advice would you give them? Oh, what advice would I give single parents that are listening? Men. Fathers. Men, yeah, men specifically, yeah. you know what? You're worthy. You're not what society defines you to be. You do have an emotional center. You do have the ability to be compassionate, caring, and kind. Um, increase your listening skills. Try not to be what men are wired to be, which is fixers. That was a struggle for me. Um, sometimes your kids just want you to listen. And you just, you know, lock your mouth, throw away the key. Yeah. Just give them what they, you know, just listen. And, you know, that was tough. And sometimes, you know, you're going to say things that are going to trigger them. And it's not personal to you. You may take it personal or other people will be surrounding you like family or friends. Or you might want to talk about it with somebody, the challenges you're going through raising your kids. And people will give you their opinion because just like their butthole, everybody's got one, right? They're going to give you their opinion. You may not like that opinion, but learn who to associate and talk to as well because there's going to be people that you're going to say, oh, this is what happened. And they're going to be, they're going to give you an opinion based on what? And unless they're in the same circumstance, their opinion should not become your reality. I'll say exactly. that again. Do not let the opinions of others become your reality. So single dads out there, you have the what it takes to be a great parent. You know, if you need to reach out to me, DM me, right? Yeah, I will be putting his info on the link when I post this. So anybody who needs more information, you can get in touch with me. I can connect you or you can get in touch with him directly. Okay, so another thing is for people who are struggling financially in like two sentences, what do you advise them? Budget. Goal set. You got to work on the six inches between your ears before even those two things will happen. And what I mean by that is if you can't tell yourself with all confidence that you have what it takes to get charge of your life, budgeting and goal setting aren't going to ha happen. So you need to start with mental baby steps. What are you putting into your brain? What are you reading? What are you listening to? You know, you got to change your six inches and associations to people, good people such as myself and Gabby can help you, you know, pull yourself out of that, that quiet desperation so that then you can implement goal setting for your immediate life, your future life, right? And you can learn how to control your finances through an active, consistent, integrated budget. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, there is no need for shopping, shopping, shopping. Some people are just addicted to shopping. Um, yeah. Do you really only just spend money on what you need, not on what you want? Right? Yeah. I taught yeah. that to my kids since they were little. And yeah. they drove them crazy. Is that yeah. a need or a want? Yeah, and, exactly. And it's sad how many people you have to explain the difference to because really society's failed us and hasn't taught us something as simple as a need no. and a want. And they haven't taught us the fact that when you go buy something 
uh, to try to make yourself feel better. It's a temporary dopamine hit. And then you're stuck with the financial downfall after the fact, especially if you're hurting financially. I know. Yeah, that's it. Oh my God, that was amazing. So I'm going to ask you two questions that have nothing to do with our conversation. If there are three countries you would love to visit before you die, what countries would they be? Three. Three countries that I want to visit before I die. Well, I want to visit, I really want to visit uh, um, Egypt. Yay! Um, I don't know why I knew we were going to say Egypt. I honest to God. Okay. It's one of my favorite things that I talk about it quite often. That's my next major journey. I've, I've dreamt about going to Egypt for uh, at least a decade. Yeah. Um, my next country I'd like to see before I die would probably be um, Egypt. Or not Egypt, part of no. me, Germany, because um, my relatives are from Germany on both sides of the family. Oh, okay. And, you know, so... I'm I'm second generation Canadian. My parents are first generation Canadian. Um, so yeah, I'd like to visit those two countries. And probably I'd say the next country I'd really like to visit is Italy because I really want to go to Rome. As a Catholic, I'd really like to go and check out, um, you know, I love the history. Vatican. Oh, I love history. I love my, I love my, my faith. I love, I don't love everything about it, but I love, mm-hmm. I love Christianity and because uh, yeah some of the other places i've been already I, I couldn't add that to the list but i've been i love going any place where there's history and you know i like art i like museums last year i spent time in greece and i've been to spent time in the middle east for a couple of weeks in israel and jordan i've been to some really neat places and usually it's based on my desire to see and appreciate what the world has gone through the and, and yeah. yeah the history and then i love art too so yeah yeah, art also. France is good at art also. Oh my God, the French. Oh, anyway, but yeah, I'd like excellent. I'd like to I'd like to go to Amsterdam. To be honest with you, I'd like to see. Uh, now I'm trying to think of the artist's name. Now the museum. Uh, Pardon? I don't know uh, which which museum. Oh, uh, my friend just went there last year, but I couldn't sneak away longer. Otherwise, I would have started with him on their trip. Um, I just can't think of his name now. He's one of the most famous um artists in history and he's his his museums and uh, i met his his uh, great grandson actually in edmonton went to an art exhibit and i just can't think of the name but anyway yeah. I'd, I'd like to go to amsterdam too so i'm gonna add a fourth one okay yeah okay you're allowed <laughs> yeah amsterdam when you mention amsterdam for me it's the dam it's the flowers the cheese and the beer Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm not a beer person, but the cheese they have, oh my God, amazing. And then, of course, they have nice chocolate and the flowers. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Anyway, so yeah, good question. Good answers. I like yeah. the fact that you started with Egypt. Uh, the second question that I had is if one thing you need to fulfill or to learn before you die, what would it be? Oh, one thing I'd like to fulfill or learn before I die. You know, a year ago, there would have been a lot of things for me to answer, but I've carpeted them. I've seized the day and I've been doing all the things that I want to learn. Um, is honestly, it a difficult question? It is a very difficult question. Okay, because, can I give you my answer? Sure. Okay, so for me, it is to be like a good pianist before I die. 
I love piano. So a good pianist, like a good pianist would actually put me to tears. That's how much I love it. So that would be mine. Hmm. I guess, yeah, it's still, you know, I, I, at one time when I was younger, played guitar and, you know, I haven't played it since I was a teenager. So I guess one thing I, I've, I still think about that I'd like to achieve is because uh, I played classical guitar. I'd rather just, you know, I'd like to learn just the ability to play chords, not play classical because mm. classical guitar is not about chords it's about picking the strings i'd like to learn about playing like campfire music just to be because mm. i love i love the outdoors and i like sitting around a campfire and i have a big fire pit in my backyard when you know obviously not during the winter but yeah. you know so yeah playing guitar i guess that would be something i'd like to uh, pick up and learn okay. before i pass away so that i can actually play those campfire tunes and get everybody singing together Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope we can do this again. Um, and any last word before we close? Yeah, you know, every, everybody that's listening, just realize, never forget that you are worthy and that with work and proper associations, you too can live life on purpose, not that's by accident. Excellent. Thank you so much. And thank you for our listeners. And uh, I will be putting his contacts and his information on the link when I post this and uh, wishing you grace, peace and balance. Take care.